Okay, so last week we finished our study technically uh, of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Um, but I have to tell you, honestly, um, I hope we never feel like we're through talking about prayer. It's, it's, it's too important. We want to pray like Jesus prayed because we want to have what Jesus had. We want to have this complete connection to the Father. We want to have actual communion with the Father. We want to experience oneness with the Father. And so now, I mean, it's, it's December, you know. I know we're supposed to talk about Christmassy stuff, um, but I still want to talk about prayer stuff. And so um, what we're going to do today is talk about a prayer perspective in the Christmas story. So that way we can say we had a Christmas sermon and I can continue my 14th week of week four of this sermon series about prayer. And so do you guys know Ben, our media director? Nobody ever sees him. He's back there in the back. Turn around and wave. He's the guy with the beanie on back there. Hey, Ben. Ben's awesome. He does all of our graphics and everything. And I told him, hey, um, now for this Christmas thing, we don't need to do like a whole new graphics package. Just use the prayer sermon graphic, that one behind me. Christmas it up a little bit. So there you go. Welcome to our Christmas sermon series. Um, before we get too deep, I do want to make a, a little pitch for our resource list that has to do with prayer. And you can find this thing at mycbcb.com slash prayer. There's some great books and apps and podcasts and some really helpful information on there. If you have not read Pete Gregg's book, uh, How to Pray, you should read it. It's amazing. Um, if you have read this one, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten, amazing, amazing book. If you've read this one, then today's sermon is going to sound very familiar to you because virtually everything that I have to teach today, I learned from Tyler Staten in this book. It's really an amazing book. So check out that resource list when you get a chance. Man, prayer is vital. It's really, really important. We wanna, we wanna get this right. Um, Eugene Peterson didn't make our prayer resource list, but he is a great pastor and a great author. He's the one that edited the message, Bible paraphrase. And he says that Jesus prayed in the middle voice. Jesus prayed in the middle voice. So who is up for some sort of technical, really academic, kind of boring linguistic mumbo jumbo? <laughs> oh, a couple. Um, I will, I will, I'll liven it up for you a little bit. Um, so we'll do like a little rap, okay? <laughs> Language nerds in the house, holla back what I say. Prepositional phrase. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> just try. Because I know it's like, oh, gosh, more Greek, right? I don't, no, we don't, we don't care. We don't, we don't speak Greek in my house, you know? But this is God's word to us. You believe that? This is important, man. This is important. God's word deserves. God's word demands that we do some work, yeah? That we dig a little, that we try a little. And sometimes that means some language stuff. And so I'll just make it fast. How's that? We'll just, we'll just do it. I can't wrap the whole thing. I mean, maybe I can. No, I can't. I can't. Um, so let's do it. This is going to be fast, but this is really important to get this. Um, we don't have this much in modern English, but in biblical Greek sentence structure, there are three perspectives, okay? There's the active voice, which is like we have... Uh, we have this in, in English, we, we, I'm the subject, right? The active voice says, I initiate the action. 
I give, I run, I punch, I kiss. I'm the giver, I'm the runner, I'm the puncher, I'm the kisser. You follow me on that? That's the active voice. And then we have the passive voice, which is to say I receive the action, right? I receive the gift, I get punched, I get run over, I get kissed. I'm the kissy, right? So that's the active voice, the passive voice. Do you recognize that we have both of those in English? Say yes. Okay, so in Greek we also have what's called the middle voice. And the middle voice says, I'm an active participant in the action, but I didn't start it, right? I'm joining in the action of someone else. My wife kissed me, but now I am actively participating. (laughs) Yeah, you see the difference? So we have the active voice, we have the passive voice in English, but in Greek we add this middle voice. In prayer, I think most of us have experienced the active voice, haven't we? Haven't we all said to God, look, God, I'm initiating something here. Uh, this, I, I, um, you have a part in it. You have a part in it. Will you please bless this business that I'm starting? Will you please heal this sickness in my friend? Right? Will, you, will you please save this person that I'm praying for? Will you please help me do this thing. That's, we've, we've all experienced that in the prayer, right? The active voice. And I think well, some of us have also experienced the passive voice in prayer, which is beautiful. This is, this is like a, a contemplative prayer, right? This is to say to God, look, I, I, just, I just wanna experience you. I just wanna be with you. So I will, this is good, good, language stuff here, I will subject myself. I'm not, the, I'm not the object, I'm the subject now. I will subject myself to whatever you wanna show me or whatever you wanna teach me or tell me or what you want me to experience in you. That we, we've all experienced the active voice. God, I'm doing this thing, I'd like for you to bless it. I think we've all experienced the passive voice, which is to say, God, I just wanna sit here and experience you. But I think what's missing for a lot of us in our prayer lives, those are good prayers, right? Those are both really good prayers. But I think what's missing for a lot of us is this this middle voice. It's us saying, God, right now, I'm not asking you to do anything. And I'm not just sitting here passively hoping that you'll show up. I'm, what I'm asking is, whatever you're doing, I want in. I I wanna participate. I wanna be an active participant in what you're doing. And I wanna suggest to you that that was the original plan. That's that's in Eden, God's original plan for humanity was Adam and Eve were participants in God's action, right? They had work to do, they had roles to play, they were were naming the animals, they were harvesting the the garden, they were being fruitful and multiplying, they were ruling over the earth, in God's name, in God's image. They were, they were being God's holy royal priests. They were doing a lot of stuff, but none of that was their idea. They didn't initiate any of that. They, were, they, they weren't creators, they were creations. Right? They weren't creators, they were creatures. But they weren't created to just sit back and watch God rule. God invited them into his plan 
And that's what humanity was designed to do. We were created to live in this, in this middle voice of participating in God's plan. But you guys know the story. We talk about it every week. But mankind didn't trust God. We didn't stay there in the middle voice. And Eve actually introduced the active voice when she bit into the apple, right? That was, that was, she was taking a step away from God's initiative and she was acting on her own initiative. She initiated, she acted apart from the will of God. Um, Adam was the opposite, right? He stayed in the passive voice, right? What a wuss, <laughs> right? God, no, no, God. I didn't do anything. I, she's the one. I, she pulled the apple off. She's the one that ate it. I didn't eat the apple. Like, she fed me the apple. You see that? That's the passive voice right there. I mean, I was just standing there, just reading my Bible, you know, and she's shoving this apple down my throat. So humanity kind of slipped, right, from, from the plan, the middle voice of participating with God in his plan and into either... The active voice, which is, God, this is my plan. You need to get on board and bless it. Or the passive voice, which is to say, God, I'm not really doing anything. But when Jesus came, he came to recreate humanity. And when he did, he, he reestablished this middle voice prayer. He, he modeled this, this middle voice prayer. Jesus said, I'm, I'm God, I'm Father, I am not initiating, but I'm not spectating. Right? I, I, I am participating in the plan that my father has already begun. So I want you to listen for that voice, okay? It's this voice that says, I'm not starting this thing, right? And I'm not stepping back and watching this thing. God started it. I'm getting on board with what God's doing. I'm going to find my place in participating in God's plan. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. I'll bet you've heard lots of these. This is John 5, 19. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Is the Son initiating the action there? No, he's participating in the action. Uh, John 12, 49, I don't even speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Do, do you see the middle voice? You see what's happening? He, I, I only do what the Father's doing. I only say what the Father tells me to do. I'm just participating in what he's already doing. John 17, 4, Jesus says, he's, he's praying. He says, God, I, I, Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. I didn't initiate this. I didn't start this. You gave me work and I completed it. I'm not an initiator I'm an actor. He continues this prayer. This is John 17, 6. Father, I have revealed you to the ones that you gave me from the world, but they were already yours. I didn't, I didn't go get them. You got them. You handed them over to me. I continued the work. Do you see what's happening there? This is the middle voice. John 17, 8. He says, I have passed on to them the message that you gave me. It's not my message. It's your message. I'm passing it on. And Jesus' model of praying I don't just create something. I don't just initiate something and then ask God to get on board with it. And I don't just sit there and watch God do everything. I join in. 
to what he's, what he's already doing. So that, that was God's original plan, right? God initiates, God creates, God plans, and then he invites humanity into his plan. And that's, that's the plan, man. That, 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 that's the original design. That, that's, what we were, that's what we were created for. And Jesus brought us back to that. Jesus brought us back to humanity's intended role in God's creation. And that is finding our true selves and our true calling and our true value and our, and our true purpose in being part of his purpose. And that's why Jesus taught us to start this prayer just by recognizing, Father, I see who you are. Hallowed be your name. I see you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. But we don't just crack a beer and sit back and watch his kingdom come. Right? We don't just stand by and watch his will be done. We ha- God's calling us, humanity. God is calling us to actively participate in bringing his kingdom. He's calling us to actively participate in executing his will. And look, you guys know the Bible, man. Beginning in the garden, God has shown that he wants to partner with humanity to do amazing things in this world, right? Since creation, since after, after day seven, right? Well, starting with day seven, right? After day six, pretty much every miracle that we see God performing, we see him performing at least with men and women, humans, as, as, as actors or as participants or as agents for him. So God parted the Red Sea, but Moses held up the staff. Right? God killed Goliath. David threw the rock. Right? God wrote the Bible through Moses and Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Paul. God launched the church through a sermon that Peter preached, right? Jesus was the son of God, but he also called himself what? Son of man, right? And I think Jesus was personifying for us this idea of God working in us and God working through us to do what he's already started, to finish the work that he already begun through us. So we pray in this middle voice, not, not just trying to get God in on our plans, right? And not, and not just to sit back and enjoy him, but to be active participants in his plan and to say, God, you know what? Your agenda is my agenda, right? And, 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 I, need, I just need to know what you're up to. And I need to know how I can participate because I am ready to say yes. And so one of the best examples of this, this middle prayer attitude, perspective, voice, this, one of the best examples of this is in the Christmas story. It's Jesus' mom, Mary. And so I'll ask you to consider this story because we hear it. Have you guys heard it before? Yeah, a couple times, right? So we, like, we know the story by heart. You know, you know the words of this story. But I'm going to ask you to just like forget all that for a second and just like think now. Like this is, these are real people, right? These are real people. These aren't just characters in a story. These are real, actual, factual, historical human beings that were leading a regular life like my life. 
like your life. And they were going to work and they were, you know, paying bills and they were, you know, mowing their grass or they were living the regular life and, and God stepped in and called them into his purposes. And they didn't say, well, that means I don't still live. They said, they just said, like, yes. Yeah, I'm on board. Was it, what an interruption for Mary, right? Because, you know, let's just read the story. This is Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, of, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So you should know, um, like, engagements were a lot different then, right? This is like a family contract. This, this is going to happen, right? This isn't just you pop the question, you give the ring at the restaurant and all that, and everybody claps. It's like a big deal. It's like a family contract. We're doing this thing. We are in. And so the engagement was sort of like uh, a trial period, almost, where it's like, yeah, we're, we're basically married now, except we're not living together. And so the, a year, usually a year. And the reason was because during that year, the man had work to do. And you know what his job was? Get a job, right? Pile up some money, get some goats, right? Build a house, right? Establish the homestead or whatever. And the woman's job was um, staying pure. That's why it was a year. So if the wedding day rolls around and mom's pregnant, well, you know, it's probably not going to happen, right? That she didn't really fulfill her obligations in this thing, right? So her job was, was purity. And so one, one day, and this is really important, I think, that we get this, one regular day, yeah, probably a Wednesday, yeah, just a, just a, just a regular, just a day, and Mary's, you know, staying pure. I don't know, she's, she's doing some laundry. She's, she's thinking about what's for dinner, and, and she's, you know, I bet she was, she was probably practicing writing her name, Mary Davidson, <laughs> Mrs. Joseph Davidson, yeah, and she's taking pictures and posting on Instagram and all that stuff. This, this is a regular day, regular day, regular day, okay? Verse 28, and this, this angel, she's, she's sitting at her kitchen table, just like your kitchen table. It's a regular day. And this angel, Gabriel appears to her, just appears to her, and says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't you love it when that happens to you? And you're just watching TV, you know? <laughs> right? And, wow, wow, who's this guy? And he, the greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, no kidding, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. But don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. You will conserve and give, conserve. You will conceive, maybe conserve. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. And he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, Gabriel, you are crazy. <laughs> right? That, that is, I, I have a life, man. 
You know, I've got, I've got plans. I'm busy. I've got a fiance and a future and a wedding to plan. You just need to find another girl. That's a different version than my, what, it, what she really said. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Let me ask you this question. Did Mary initiate this plan to redeem the world through Messiah? No. She's not using the active voice. Right? This wasn't her idea. Is she using the passive voice? Is she saying, you know what, God? That sounds like a great idea. I'm just going to sit here in my prayer chair and watch you go out and do all that stuff through somebody else. She's not using the passive voice. She's in the middle voice. Right? She's saying, look, I didn't start this thing. I don't completely understand this thing. But I trust the Father. And I want his will to be done. And I want his kingdom to come. And I want to participate. So whatever that looks like, I'm in. And I'll do it. I'm, yes. Yes. Mary is praying like humanity was designed to pray. In the middle voice. It's not my will. It's yours. It's already happening. I just want to be part of it. Right? It's not my kingdom that's coming. It's yours. How can I be part of bringing it here? The middle voice prayer restores us to what we were created to be, which is part of something so much bigger than us. It's being part of God's kingdom coming. And I'll tell you something else. When we pray in the middle voice, it empowers us to do supernatural things. I'm 62. It's come to my attention that my body has limitations. Yeah, it's shocking. I can't do everything. I just, it just turns out I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know? Anybody else ever run into like this limit? Like I was, I thought I could do anything and it was like, eh. anybody? Like I'm, you know what? I want to do something supernatural, yeah? I don't just want to do something bigger than me, better than me, smarter than me, wider than me. I want to do something that's too hard for me. I want to do something that I'm not capable. I want to do something I want to do something supernatural. And I'm telling you, when we pray in this middle voice, it gives us a chance not only to be part of something amazing and huge and important, it gives us a chance to do supernatural things with supernatural power for a supernatural purpose. Um, so years ago, Margaret and I um, and some friends were up in Colorado and it was a springtime and we decided to do the um, whitewater rafting thing. You ever done that? So it's like the rubber boat and there's... Uh, Two of them, and me and Margaret, and the guide, and this rubber boat, and this, and it's melted snow, right? It's cold, and the water is just frothing. Is that right? Frothing? Is that right? Yeah, frothing. It's like all foamy, right? And it's just fast and crazy and furious. And, and so we, we're signing up about to give them our money, and like we're saying, is it safe and all that? And they go, oh, yeah, it's safe. Give us the uh, you know, just credit card right there. And then once we got that, it's like, okay, put on this life jacket, put on this helmet, put on all this gear, right? Because it's, you know, it's dangerous or something. So now, okay, well, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this thing. So we're going you know, down, this, down this rapid 
and there's rocks, big, sharp rocks and fast water and death all around us, right? And so we're, we're boom, and you've seen it. You're, the boat's doing this thing, right? And I, something happened, and we, it bent, and then it like popped up, and it like launched me up in the air. And so we have a hilarious picture, and it's just me like this with only my feet sticking up out of the water. I mean, I am just diving straight down, and the boat is just merrily rolling along. And so Margaret and our friends are just like, you know, Margaret has looked back and said, oh, well, we had a good run. You know, let's just keep, that's whatever. That's over now. And so they're just, you know, okay, well, that was fun. We're just going to keep on going because I got cocoa at the bottom, and so we're just going to keep going. Meanwhile, I am plunged into this freezing water, and rocks are everywhere, and I don't know which way is up. Right, I'm so disoriented and I'm flailing around and I'm hitting rocks and I'm breathing in this water and I'm freezing to death and I'm thinking, you know, it's like one of three things. I'm gonna drown, I'm gonna freeze to death or I'm gonna probably crawl out of the water and get eaten by a bear. So it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad for me. And I don't, and I, I don't know if I was dying, but I mean, it was a bad experience. It was a hard experience for me. And then it was like, I remembered what they said when they took my credit card, <laughs> which was, if you fall out of the boat, they said it a hundred times, you're not going to fall out. But if you fall out, but you're not going to fall, but if you fall out, right? If you fall out, then you know what you do? You swim downstream, right? You swim with the current. Don't fight it. You're, you're going to lose, right? Don't even go sideways. That's where the rocks are, man. Follow, follow the current. And so I was just flailing and dying and rocks and, blah, blah, and cold and just miserable. And then all of a sudden I started swimming with the current, and all of a sudden, like, I'm Michael Phelps. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the body, everything. I mean, but so, I just so fast. You don't, I'm telling you, I was just, I was going so fast. And ultimately, I actually caught up with them and climbed back in the boat. And after I warmed up and dried off, I pushed all them in the water. So <laughs> that's, so I, that last part didn't happen. Um, but the, listen, here's, this, here's why I told you that fascinating story. The middle voice is like swimming with this fast-moving river. It's the current, the current, here, the current's going, right? With or without you, right? It, it started a long time before you got here, right? And it is way more powerful than you are. So, I mean, you, you can fight it. You can fight it, but if you fight it, you will lose and you will probably drown. But if you accept it, right? If you, if you find your part in it and if you swim with it, you'll swim faster than you ever swam before and you will accomplish things you could have never done in your own power. Do you think if Mary had resisted, right? If Mary had declined, you know, Gabriel, that's gonna be a hard pass for me. If, if she had said that, would God have just like canceled his plan to save humanity through humanity? No, God, God's gonna do what God's gonna do, right? That river is going, man. This is, this is gonna happen kind of with or without you, right? Let me ask you another question. Do you think if she would have passed, if she would have said no, do you think we would have ever heard the name of this teenage girl 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet? Hmm, this is by far the greatest thing she ever did. 
God allowed her to be instrumental in this plan, right? God didn't need her to be instrumental in this plan. But because she prayed in this middle voice, because she said, God, I just want to play whatever part you have for me. You know, it's your plan. I just, I just want to be part of it. And because of that attitude, because of that perspective, because of that prayer voice, God used her to change history and to change eternity. And God brought his kingdom. And God did his will through her. Praying in the middle voice means surrender. The plans that you had. And it means submission. And it means laying down your plans and your stuff and transforming your life and your activities and your time and everything you have to being part of God's activity. And, and depending on his spirit to empower you to do what he calls you to do. It's really saying, God, I want to be what I was created to be. I want to be an active participant in your good plan. And I want to really experience you as a father and as a partner and as my leader and as my power and as my source. I, I want to make a difference. I want to play a little part in your huge, amazing plan to redeem the world and to recreate humanity. And that it's, it's a different way to pray. It's a different perspective, I think, for prayer. And, and I'll tell you, it, it, it might feel weird to pray because we're used to the other two. You know, we're used to saying, God, I'm going to do it. Will you help me? Or God, I'm going to sit here. Will you visit me? We're used to those. And this is a little, this is a little different. So in this book, Praying Like Monks, uh, Tyler Stanton says, we can use Mary's response in Luke like training wheels. Right? We can just start with her little outline. We use her exact words. And then after a while, we'll feel more comfortable and we won't necessarily have to use her exact wheels. So here's what that looks like. It, training wheels. We're just going to literally start with what she said, like a template, like an outline. So we start with, I am the Lord's servant. Right? That's where this whole thing starts. It's saying, look, God, I mean, you're my Lord. Right? I, I see who you are and I see who I am. You're the creator. And I'm, I'm the created. You're the initiator, and I'm a participant. Listen to this. You are not a character in my story. I'm a character in your story. And so I want to know you more, and I want to know your heart, and I want to know your plan, and I want to see my place in it. So for right now, I'm not praying an active prayer, trying to get you to do what I want you to do. I am your servant. Just tell me what you want me to do. And then we have this like in-between space, right, where we have to learn to wait and listen. I'm literally reading between the lines of her response here. Father, I'm your servant, right? I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. So will you send an angel or a scripture, or an opportunity, or a need, or something to show me what my part is. And then we're still, and we wait, and we listen for a minute, or for an hour, or for days. That's hard. I use an acronym to help me with this in a lot of my conversations with people. And in my conversations with God, it's the word wait, W-A-I-T. 
It stands for why am I talking? Right? This is a time for us to just, you know, wait and, and, and listen. And the answer may come through an angel or through a pastor or through a pa- from a pastor who's practically an angel <laughs> or, or from a scripture that speaks to you or, or from a feeling you have or a voice that you hear or a, a need that you hear about over coffee with a friend. And I just want to tell you how God asks you to participate. Like, like what God asks you to do might sound hard and it might sound scary and it might sound weird. It was for Jesus. It was for Mary. It was for Peter and Paul and Moses and Abraham and Joshua and David and Daniel and pretty much everybody that's made a huge difference for the kingdom. In fact, I'm just going to tell you that one of the best ways I can distinguish what's God's voice versus what's my voice, right? How do I know if this is God's idea or Larry's idea? If it sounds kind of small and if it sounds pretty easy and if it sounds like it'll make me look good, if it sounds like there's not much risk to me, if it feels like it'll grow my kingdom, that sounds like a plan that I would come up with, doesn't it? That sounds like something I would think of. That sounds like a Larry idea. But if it's something that really promotes God's kingdom, if it's something that makes Jesus look good, and if it is so risky and scary and hard that there is no way I could do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, that sounds more like a God idea. And that's where I have to choose the second part of Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. I'm in. Even though I'm in the middle of real world circumstances, right? I got a job. I got a family. I got stuff I need to be doing, but I'm right in the middle of all that. I, I don't, and I don't, I don't really fully get it. You know, I don't completely understand it. I don't see how I can do it. But even though it's hard and even though it's scary, And even though it's basically impossible, I'm saying yes. And I want to present to you now a big idea that may be hard for some of us to swallow. But God's plan to redeem the world, God's plan to rescue humanity, includes you. You're part of it. You're part of the plan. And I don't know how God will ask you to participate. I don't know like what he'll ask you to do. Maybe it's to love someone that you thought was unlovable. Maybe it's to serve in a way that you never thought of. Maybe it's to give more than you thought you could give or do more than you thought you could do. Maybe it's to foster a kid. Maybe it's to invite a neighbor to church. Maybe it's to start a life group. Maybe it's to do something that's really inconvenient or really awkward, or really embarrassing. Maybe it's something huge, or maybe it's something that seems small that God will use to change the world. But it starts with a prayer. It starts with an attitude. It starts in the middle voice, the voice of Mary. 
the voice of Jesus saying, Father, I'm, I'm not asking you to bless my plans. I'm asking you to show me where I fit into yours. And I'm, ask, I'm asking you to ask me. And I'm answering in advance. I'm saying, yes, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you say about me come true. Now, before you go and before we pray, you guys know the movie A Christmas Story with Ralphie? You know that movie? Ralphie has a funny line in that movie where he says, my mom hadn't eaten a hot meal in 15 years. Why? Because she's so busy serving everybody else. And I've noticed that's the way some of our volunteers are here. They're so dedicated to what they're doing that at the end of the service, as soon as they sense that the prayer is coming, right, it's like they get up and run back to their stations before you sit there, you just be still. Before, before we pray, before we hear the end of the message, and I just so appreciate that, and that is so awesome, but there's, there's a problem, and that is one, not only can that be a distraction, if, if, I'm, if I'm sitting next to somebody and Jesus is really speaking to the person next to me and I get up and walk out, it's like, oh, dumb, son, you know, what, what's happening right now? It can be a distraction to them, but you know what's worse than that? Some of our volunteers haven't prayed with us in 15 years. Some of our volunteers haven't heard the end of a message in 15 years. And so today I'm starting a new tradition. Here's what's gonna happen. Everybody is gonna just stay where they're at, right? And, and, and look, we're way, way, look at that. We're nine minutes ahead of schedule right now, okay? We're great on time. So we're all just gonna stay comfortable in our seats. And if you've got a table, just relax, Jane, just sit, okay? Just if you're supposed to be at the door, oh, I gotta go. Just, just be still for a minute. And, and I'm gonna, we're gonna pray and I'm gonna give a few announcements and you're just gonna sit there, relaxed, right? As if God was in control. So you don't have to be, yeah? So we're just gonna sit here, we're gonna do our little announcements and then I'm gonna dismiss the volunteers and I'm gonna give you a 30 second head start, okay? <laughs> And then, I mean, go, right? And then after 30 seconds, everybody else will go. Okay, so does that sound okay to you? Okay, we love our volunteers, man. I just would love it if they would pray with us just as once, okay? So here we go, we're gonna pray. Jesus, man, thank you. God, I can't believe that in your incredible plan to redeem this planet and to rescue a fallen humanity, for some reason you've chosen to include us. And thank you. Thank you for trusting us with this, this partnership that you would create us in your image and that you would save us from ourselves and that you would fill us with your spirit and you would call us to do something so much bigger than we are. Give us so many opportunities to be part of your plan and then you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to do things that are so much harder than anything we could do on our own. So thank you. We're, we're following the model of Jesus. It's, it's God working with man, in man, through man. Thank you for including us in your plan. God, will you please show us something that you're calling us to show each one of us. We just need to be still. Just, just God, you're our, we're your servant. We, we see who you are. We see that your plan is bigger and better and your ways are higher and that you know where this is all going. You've got a plan and it includes us. We see that. 
So now we just want to be still. Will you show us where we fit in your plan? And will you give us the courage to step up and say yes? Whatever, if it sounds weird, if it sounds hard, if it sounds scary, if it seems impossible, then we'll just know that that's probably you talking to us. Show us what you would have us to do and empower us to do it so that we can be part of your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, volunteers, don't get up. Just be cool. We're gonna casually go through a couple of announcements. Some of you are just like all twitching. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta. Just relax, it's just gonna be fine. It's, everything's fine, everything's fine. The Cowboys are like seven o'clock tonight, you're good. Um, okay, here's the first announcement. Um, Jane is fixing to start a Bible study through the Bible in 90 days. We're gonna read the whole Bible in 90 days. If you've ever considered, I have never read the whole Bible and you wanna try it, it's a big commitment. It's like what, 12 pages a day, something like that? 12 pages a day, you can do it. It's a lot, but you can do it. But I'm gonna tell you, it's an amazing thing to experience God's word. And so um, if you'd like to sign up for that, you can go out to the table. Jane will be out there, 30 seconds ahead of you. Follow her out there, go to the left, I think, and her table's out there and sign up for that. Here's something else, another announcement. In January 6th, we're gonna start new service times. We're gonna adjust our service times a little bit. Right now we meet at 9.15 and 11.15. Starting January 6th, we're gonna meet at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. Both move up 15 minutes. This is what we call social manipulation, okay? Because you know why? Look around. I mean, some of you are sitting with people you don't even like because it was so crowded you had to just jam in here, right? And so this service is always more crowded than the second service. And so we think if we move it 15 minutes, that'll make it a little harder to get people's little girl's hair ready for Sunday, right? And so a few people will have to come at the later service. So that's what we're gonna do. Okay, so January 6th, not 9.15, but nine o'clock and not 11.15, but Excellent. Okay, next announcement. How you guys doing, volunteers? Feels good, man. It's a life of leisure. It's awesome. Okay, here we go. So this next announcement is about Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve this year falls on Sunday. Okay, so we are not going to have Sunday morning services. We are instead going to have Christmas Eve services at 1, 2.30, and 4 o'clock. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to sing a lot, and we're going to... We, we do the traditional Christmas songs, right? We're gonna sing the real stuff and we're gonna tell the story of Jesus and it's just gonna be an amazing time. And so I'd really encourage you to come to that. Um, I would encourage you to bring someone with you to that. If there's somebody you've been wanting to invite to church and it's like so hard to bring it up and they're probably gonna say no and it gets embarrassing and all that stuff, if they're ever gonna say yes, it's probably this time of year. Tell them it's only like a 45 minute service, right? And you can get right home and get your presents and all that stuff. So invite someone. If you wanna help in that service. Like with the kids ministry, um, maybe you want to come to one service and serve in the other. Then if you go back to the kids ministry table, they have a place where you can sign up if you want to help with the kids ministry. And then the third thing is come early for that service because we're going to, we're going to start on time and I'm going to start off with a little announcement. We know that there are a lot of people that come to this church every single week. Some people only once a month, some we every couple of months, some people come twice a year, whatever, but everybody comes Christmas Eve, right? And so this is a good time for us to make a big announcement. And I'm going to unpack some stuff about the direction of our church and kind of where we're going and what we're going to do next. And I think everybody's going to want to hear that. So come early so you can hear that. And you know, when I was a kid, we opened our presents on Christmas morning not Christmas Eve, because that's the way Jesus did it. But, <laughs> but my dad couldn't take it. So we would always open one present the night before, right? And it always ended up being like 
a couple of presents the night before. And it's like, the goal always ended up being, will we have anything left for, for Christmas morning? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you like one present. All right, I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about what we're gonna talk about uh, as far as the direction of the church. Because a lot of people are asking questions and I don't wanna feel like we've, we, we've left you hanging about what's happening. So most of you know, we have decided not to build a $20 million mega church. So that's, yay, everybody claps for that, right? Um, and it's not because of the $20 million. It's not because of that. It's because we feel like God is calling us to be a certain kind of church, yeah? A relational church, a community church, a home church where people know each other, care about each other, that does groups together, that prays together, that worships together, that eats meals together and plays with each other's kids. And we feel like God is calling us to grow, but in a different way than seeing how many people we can jam in a room on Sunday morning. Right? We wanna grow in, in worship. We wanna grow in prayer. We wanna grow in understanding. We wanna grow in compassion. We wanna, we wanna support other ministries. Right? We, wanna launch other, we wanna launch other ministries. We wanna launch other people into other ministries that are outside this church. And so right now, on a Sunday morning, all in, we're having about seven or 800 people. And that's awesome. We want, we want the biggest footprint we can without losing that thing of us being a family. And so God has spoken and told me that the magic number, right? What's the biggest we can get, biggest footprint we can have without losing that? That number, 1,140 people. That's what it is. It's, it's somewhere, it's a little more than we're doing now. I think we can, we can, we don't gotta lock the doors, you know? We, we can reach a few more people, maybe 1,200 people a weekend. And then when we get to that, that's it. We launch another church, right? And that church starts their own groups and has their own pastor and has their own worship pastor and their own kids pastor and has their own relationships. And that way we don't destroy the relationships that we have by just jamming so many people in here that we dilute our fellowship. Does that make sense? So that's, that's the plan. So now we think we can stay in this building. The highway is not taking our property. So that's cool. Yay. Um, but we're going to need to do some improvements. We've been kind of waiting on this building, honestly, to do some stuff because we don't want to spend a bunch of money here if we're just going to move anyway. And so now if we're going to stay here, then we're going to be doing some renovation and some stuff to this building. In fact, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to paint the whole building inside and out, and that's going to be kind of a big deal. And ultimately, we're going to be adding some new buildings and reshaping the whole footprint of this property. But we, we are going to defy what every pastor I've talked to has told me, and that is, I think we can really, really minister in the way God's calling us to minister to about 1,200 people a week on four acres. People are saying you're crazy and you know, maybe, we'll find out. But that's, that's what we're gonna do. Um, so Christmas Eve, I'll show you some pictures. Christmas Eve, I'll show you kind of some plans of what the building will look like and what the property will look like and what we're gonna do. And we're just gonna be, I think, better stewards of the gifts that God has given us than to just build something so, so elaborate. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you've got in your mind a beautiful cathedral with stained glass and a pipe organ, yeah, that ain't happening, okay? It's gonna be just a plain old metal building, probably like we got right now. We're just gonna try to get as much ministry in as small a space as we can. So Christmas Eve, I'll give you a little bit more details. I'll show you some pictures of what we're gonna do. I will tell you that the first part of this process is very glamorous and exciting, and that is that we're gonna fix our septic system. 
Uh, praise Jesus. So, and revival broke out. Uh, so, so here's what that's what about. So in our backyard, you know, we have the septic system and it sprays all the time and all that stuff. So we can't build back there because we have to have a spray field back there. And the septic system we have is just too small for the load <laughs> that we have. That's the way it is. We can't expand it. We don't have enough room to get rid of all of our water. So what we're going to do is we're going to tie in our septic output. <laughs> Very discreet, right? With, there's going to be a little development going on just south of us here, and they're going to be sending their stuff to a water treatment facility, and so we're just going to tie into theirs. And so that's going to open up all of that area back there now that we can build and use for parks and all that kind of stuff, and that is going to be awesome. So I'm very excited about that. God is really, like, opening doors and showing us what we can do, right? I will tell you, it's all going to be very expensive. Yeah? Jeez, got quiet. Uh, so um, it's not going to cost $20 million but it's gonna be very expensive. And I'm just telling you now, um, that septic solution we're talking about is probably about $100,000. So I'm just gonna say, if you feel led to write a check for that, uh, that would be awesome or part of it. Um, in fact, I'll tell you what I will do. I'll tell you what I will do. I'm like those TV preachers now. If you, if by the end of the year, you write a check for $100,000 to this church, on the memo line, write poop. Okay? And if you do, we will name our septic system after you. Yeah. That'd be, you know, some churches have like, it's the Ken and Mary Dockery Family Life Building. Yeah. So for you, it, what a legacy, you know, for you to know hundreds of people got saved at that church and because of my donation, they were allowed to go to the bathroom. That's, you do part of it. If you write poop on any check, right? It's got to be above your normal tithe and offering. We will name part of it after you. So we will have the Laster Family Pipeline right there. The <laughs> we'll have the Jane Jamison Lift Station. We'll have all these, like, uh, like a plaque, right? This, this, <laughs> this pipe is made possible by a generous donation by the Jason and Kristen Merck Foundation. That'll be that, thousands, listen, thousands of years from now. Archaeologists might dig up the Larry Andrews Memorial Poo Flow Regulator, right? So that's enough, isn't it? Okay, so that's, that's happening. So let me know if you have questions about all that. We'll unpack a lot more of it on Christmas Eve. It's going to be really exciting. If you need more information or if you want uh, the septic system named after you, give me a call. Um, okay, volunteers. I'm giving you a 30-second head start. Nobody can go unless you're going to a station. Go. 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 Yay, volunteers. I didn't really think about what we would do for this time. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Okay, that's it. God bless you guys. See you next week.